There we go. That's what I like. Randy, joined by Donnie and Mike. And today we have a very special episode. We're going to be going over the Hollywood Video Guys' best movies we saw this year. And just in case you're wondering, this year is 2023. Now, with this list, that's not necessarily movies that just came out in 2023. These are movies we saw for the first time that we would put on our favorite movies that we watched this year. Uh, before we get going, does anyone have anything to add? Like, any fun stories? Uh, so, we got our first letter in. Uh, a letter? Yeah, for our show. An email, because it wasn't like... <laughs> I was going to say, if, that, well, if the, there was postage... The postman came and, and it was, this to me. And it was delivered to Hollywood Video Guys? It would have been really cool. She oh, had like a, a P.O. box or something. We sh- oh, man, we should get a P.O. box. That sounds like completely unnecessary and like a cost that we shouldn't get, but... <laughs> yeah, we should get a, a Twitter and an email... We do have an email. That's how I got oh, this Oh, we do? Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, yep. How, uh, I think it's hvgpod.com. Uh, that's a plug. HVG, HVG pod. Uh, let's try it one more time. HVGpod.com. For, I, think we, I think you lost them already. I think you, you forgot the, the at, Gmail. What, what uh, at gmail.com. Yeah, see, there we go. All right. We'll do it let's one more try. time. Well, take two. Take yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I got three strikes on these things. HVGpod at gmail.com is our uh, official email. And that's where I got this email from. Um, so this is from John from across the pond. Wow. Uh, first time caller, long time listener. <laughs> um, and so he wrote us about the Bond movie that we, or Bond movie, the Bond podcast that we cr- went through um, a couple episodes ago where we ranked our f- best Bond movies and we decided on which one was the best, which was uh, License to Kill, um, much to the chagrin of some people here. Yeah, to, probably to the listener too, I'm sorry. Well, and that's, tr- that's exactly right. Uh, John contends that we were all wrong with the best Bond. And in fact... The best Bond of all time is not any of the ones we picked. It was uh, actually the classic Goldfinger with Sean Connery. Yeah, that's usually a standby for a lot of those He's, Bond fans. He says that if you follow the metric that we use, which you absolutely should follow because that's the only the way to do it. The metric that you used. <laughs> that we used. The metric that resulted in a lot of bad Bond movies. That, that we used. Uh, he says it's very enjoyable, for one. It has the be- It's the best film. Um, it has the, the best villain, Goldfinger. It has the best henchman, Oddjob. No. But Oddjob's one of the more He's iconic. Maybe the He's definitely best. iconic. If you can think... Uh, if, Jaws is the best. Okay, I think Jaws is the best too. But if you think of like, you know, Bond henchmen, there's really only Jaws, Oddjob, Baron Samity, maybe. You know, there's not too many of them. Um, on the top is great. And he said, uh, Pussy Galore is a great Bond girl. And it's the debut of the Aston Martin DB5, the first time he ever drove a Aston Martin DB5, which he became, you know, the most famous car for Bond. And then he says, in, including all of those, it also has one of the, probably the best Bond line in all of Bond, which is, uh, do you expect me to talk Goldfinger? And he goes, no, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. That's a good line. So all of those are the reasons why it should have been on the list, and it was a, a, a you know, a glaring omission from our list is what he says here. Uh, I mean, it was pretty... 
obvious that there was no Connery Bonds in our list, which was surprising. But at the same time, it's not too surprising. He also said that the Bond song is also one of the greatest Bond songs of all time. I would say it's one of the iconic I, ones. It, it is one of the most iconic ones, but it's one I never really liked that much. Well, it's because it gets parodied so much, I, too, maybe, you know? Like, I, I think it's one of the more parodied Bond songs. I think a lot of Bond songs based off of I think it's too. just the delivery of the vocals just comes off almost forced to me, but... yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. gonna hate on it or anything. But anyway, like I, I, I think that that was a really good choice. Definitely something we could have thought of doing. Uh, but overall, yeah. So that's our first. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with him that you two were especially wrong. But um, <laughs> not I, I'm not gonna hate on someone who likes Goldfinger. To the vote, according to Approximately the vote, the vote that made yeah, no yeah. sense. Yeah, sorry, buddy. Uh, yeah, I'm that never the let rules. That go. That's the rules. <laughs> the uh, rules that were made up on the fly. Benji, how are you doing with that bomb? Come on, come on, come on. I got it! Uh, it it's a cylinder cipher. There's uh, eight wheels. Looks like 14 letters on each wheel. 1.5 billion possible combinations. Give or take. Oh, my God. What now? The, the wheels, they spell out a message. You are done. No way. Not yet, we are. No, no, they're not D-O-N-E. D-U-N-N. It's my last name. And to start this list off, it's one of the few on here that made all of our lists. Yeah. Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. This movie's awesome. This movie is awesome. I went and saw it in the theater. I saw it in D-Box seats, actually, so it was it was quite the ride. How about you guys? What would you think of this film? Uh, it's a fantastic movie. I've been quite the fan of uh, Tom Cruise and his action movies lately. Uh, and I mean lately as in like the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 years. He's had some great movies. And uh, Mission Impossible, I-, I avoided the series for a little bit because I didn't like 2 that much, despite it being like you know a big part of my t- of teenage years. And uh, this newest chapter that is unfortunately a part one was really freaking good. Like It's an amazing action movie all the way throughout. And Despite again, I'm, I'm big about pacing and and time, and this movie would like it had me interested the entire way through. Do you think it's the best one of the series? Uh, I would say yes. It just seems like every Mission Impossible movie gets better than the it's, one previous. Yeah, it's, it's really so good. close. Because the last one what was the last one called Rogue Nation. No, Ro- uh, Fallout. 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 That was so. I thought good that was amazing. Too. When I yeah. saw it. Yeah, <laughs> all of them were great from three on. And like Don, I avoided three for the longest time because uh, I just did not care to for... To your detriment, gentlemen. Exactly, I know, I just did yeah, not care for was... Mission Impossible 2. It was just a little too woo for me, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, the Legion Gaming co-host Deuce actually got me into Mission Impossible 3 and all those because he would watch them. And I was kind of the same way where I was like, oh, Mission Impossible 2 left such a bad taste in my mouth. But didn't you I... not see some of the more recent ones? No, yeah, I think he uh, missed out on. He might not have seen couple. this one yet. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure he's seen all of them except for this one. Maybe not. I have to ask him. Yeah. But he was really into those, you know, bad robot Mission Impossible movies right away. Um, and yeah, so good. What a great. Movie. And I rewatched. And the thing too is, I rewatched all of them, like even before this one came out. Mm-hmm. And two stuck out as the one I didn't like because it felt like it was the most movie from 2000. Yeah. But. Yeah, three, four, five. They've just been like a string of amazing action movies. I love yeah, them. Yeah, the the original Mission Impossible feels like a throwback to the the TV show for sure. Yeah. It's good. It's more of a spy thriller. It's yeah. not super over the top action, but it's got some pretty iconic scenes, particularly the one where he's being suspended and coming down through the lasers. It yeah. also has very tropey stuff. The first one, like it's very, um, you know, 
kind of a modernizing of the Mission Impossible show. So it has a lot of those, like the face peeling off and the Mission Impossible tape, you know, disintegrating and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, but anyway, yeah. but Dead Reckoning, it, it it's exceptional. It's an amazing. It's so good. It, the action scenes are so the, the set pieces, the action pieces are just so good from top to like some of the craziest stunts. And I I love the villain played by uh, Isai Morales. Isai yeah, Morales, a, yeah, I, that's exactly We're what I was going to say. La Bamba I've been a, here. Yeah, I've been a big fan of him ever since La Bamba. Yeah, yeah isn't that crazy that like La Bamba was he, he looks great years yeah. ago. Like he looks great. He does not look like he should. You'd think he'd be a lot older because of how he looked in La Bamba. Mm-hmm. He's also awesome, and he's been in a bunch of stuff. He was like Deathstroke in the DC. Um, he was Titan great show, there. So. I, I wish he was actually in this more. That's the one thing I would say was slightly disappointing, which is like a minor nitpick. Yeah, it's just he's such a great villain, has such a great presence that you. I did wish that he was. He had more screen time because yeah, I'm with you. the movies again. It's pretty lengthy, but it, it works out in such a way that you don't mind it at all. And it's like him, he's just kind of peppered throughout. He's not as big as a, as a villain as you wish he was. Yeah, and this is a part one, which is disappointing. However, it did feel complete. I, it, The way it ended, yes, of course, you're looking forward to the next one. But it didn't feel like a cliffhanger, mm-hmm. so to speak. It, it felt like this is a complete film. Yeah, it felt like a proper way to end it before. I imagine the next one's probably in 2025 or something crazy. I'm not sure. I'm really looking forward to it. Me the, too. Ever, ever since Mission Impossible 3, they're just pushing the envelope. Tom yeah. Cruise hasn't missed in a while. Yeah, for sure. All right. So moving on to our next one, Mike, this is on your list. It's Asteroid City. Yeah, Asteroid City is so good. So uh, it's Wes Anderson, who I'm a huge Wes Anderson fan. I don't know. You call me like everything about it. It's kind of like very stereotypical for somebody like me to like Wes Anderson. But I just I don't know. Everything he does is great. I love the way he uh, blocks his shots. I like the way he directs his scenes. He has a very, you know, a very telling style like you can see a Wes Anderson movie coming a mile away when you look at it and this one is very much like all of the others some people didn't like it as much because I think it, it didn't do anything different it's just very much like a Wes Anderson movie uh, but there's some really funny scenes in it specifically Jeff Goldblum is so funny in this movie as this alien that you see at one point it's so funny and then uh, it's it's weird because the movie is uh, you see what's happening in Asteroid City as like a real movie, and then you find out that that is actually a play, and then you get the backstage of that play while and like going back and forth from the backstage of the play with the actors, the actual movie that is actually a play. So it's like so weird, and and it gets confusing at times, but it's really really good. It was very very uh, very entertaining. Definitely recommend. Yeah, it's one I'm gonna get around to seeing at some point. Yeah, it's been on my list. One of those backlog things, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It came out like right when all the great movies are coming out, mm-hmm. you know, so it's tough. All right. M- moving on to our next movie. Don, this was on yours, and, and I did like it as well, so I, I would say it's probably on my list as well, and that would be Air. Oh, man, Randall. You guys know how much I hate sports, really. <laughs> I'm not a big fan except for, like, hockey at best. But I do love my sports movies, and this movie is all about the uh, – the story of how Nike connected with Michael Jordan to make those infamous Jordan shoes. And uh, this had Ben Affleck, Jason Bateman, Matt Damon, Viola Davis, even Chris Tucker's in here. And it's just a really fun, straightforward movie. There's nothing really special it does or, you know, anything that's more outstanding. Like, I wouldn't say, you know, it, 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 it does anything that hasn't been done before. But it's all really fun to watch. Like, it was a really great story of how they told... They're basically vying for 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 uh, Michael Jordan to get his money and his endorsement, right? Because you know his 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 parents were heavily involved in it. Uh, the only funny thing is that they don't show Michael Jordan or you know wherever they've they've cast this in him. I don't know if it's like a likeness thing or they just didn't want to get a look alike. 
But I really enjoyed this movie. It was really good. I just I just didn't think they wanted to bring someone into such an iconic like an iconic figure like Michael Jordan. That's also fair because it might it may detract too much from the movie, but it, it's a great movie. I really like. Yeah, it. Yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed this one as well. I think I watched it on Amazon Prime. I yeah, it's, it's a prime. It was a prime there. original, I think. Yeah, uh, I thought it was Apple TV. Oh no no, no, no prime! No, it it was, was a prime. prime. Yeah, it was yeah. prime. Sorry, and it was. Yeah, that was. I, I read a whole thing about how Matt Damon basically said that that's how these movies are going to be made from now on. Mm-hmm. You used to be able to, you know, get a, a production company to tag along for these kind of movies, but now you really got to tie it to a streaming service. Yeah, it's great though. It's I'm glad movies like that can exist because again, like this doesn't do anything special, but it's still a great watch. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. All right, moving on to our next one. This is Mike. This one was on your list. It was also on mine. Mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves. Yeah, uh, as the resident D and D nerd out of all of us in the group, um, obviously I was looking forward to this for the whole year. Like as soon as I saw the first trailer, um, I think a lot of D and D nerds, a lot of us in the world of tabletop role playing, were very very nervous because the last D and D movie was not good it was really bad and we all tried to hang our hat say it was all right and there's been like uh animations and things that like that have come out since then but this was so there was really nerve-wracking for a lot of us nerds and it was so good it was so funny um entertaining it felt so much like a d like a session of D &D. like the things that happen are the things that happen in your games or like what you wish happened in your games uh the acting was great and the plot ran smoothly. I loved it. I'm curious to think, Randy, you're not a D&D guy, so I'm curious what you thought of it as not a D&D person. Um, it, it was fun. It definitely had uh, a lot of that modern, almost like MCU comedy-like elements to it, but I did feel it fit in there. There was some scenes in there that were really funny. Yeah, and for me, I think as a, a fan, or like a, ga- a guy who plays the game, I think it's like, we all pretend like our D&D campaigns are going to be these Lord of the Rings style grand adventures, but they always become like a more of a Monty Python thing by the end of it. <laughs> so this one was a very good representation of this is actually what a session is like. You know, a lot of like laughs and ridiculousness and over the top trying to do things, not working, like those kind of stuff that they do. Hijinks ensue throughout. Uh, really great movie, I think. And the, there's a sequel hopefully coming in the next couple of years. Well. I'm sure it will. Um, I, I did feel like some of the CG stuck out a little bit to me. Yeah, especially it, like the ending. It looks so. like about 15 years old at points. Yeah. But that's not definitely nothing that it's going to detract me from watching it. Yeah. Shout out to Jonathan. That was probably one of my favorite characters. And he was the Eric Hokra, the eagle. <laughs> he was so funny. I've been wanting to watch this. And I, I thought I had the perfect ending played out for it. I don't know if it's the actual ending or not, but I'm hoping it is. Where there's honor among thieves? No, where they would like at the very end, like they would pull out of the uh, oh, the, no. of the screen, right? No, and it's just no. all the actors that playing Dungeons cool. and Dragons. There is a YouTube video of the ac- the actors playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, like that. That'd be cool if the gimmick was you know what your what the yeah. movie is is them playing it. That would then, be yeah, cool. The, yeah, but, I think we, like people either hate that or love that. Yeah, I would love yeah, it. That would yeah, that would too. All right, moving on. So all those movies have come out this year. This next one is on my list. It's one I only saw just a few weeks ago. While preparing for the James Bond episode, I realized I should go ahead and watch at least one movie from every James Bond actor. And for the first time, I watched George Lazenby's take as James Bond in On Her Majesty's Secret Service. And I'm not sure if you guys have seen this one before. I have not. But this was... Uh, Yeah, I have. You have? Mm -hmm. Yeah. This was pretty cool. It's uh, got a maybe the best Blofeld. the The performance from him is really good in this. 
So James Bond ends up in some... Basically, it's a winter sports uh, facility. I'm, I'm not... And, and it's great because now you actually have a reason for a lot of these ski chases that are so famous in Bond. It's like, well, we can just put it at a winter sports <laughs> expo. <laughs> it works out on its own. Um, George Lazenby's Bond is okay, but the, the plot's really good. And it has one of the greatest Bond girls with Diana Rigg, who tragically dies at the end of this movie, which is mm-hmm. a really, the the most unordinary James Bond movie ending. And it's like basically the only canon in James Bond for many years. Yeah. Uh, you know, there people would change and come and go, but up until the, I don't know, Brosnan's Bond didn't really talk about it, but up until no, then, up basically. until Dalton, like yeah. through Dalton, through they Dalton. would refer to Bond's wife. wife and like, it's a sore subject. It would always be, yeah, because they had just been, about. basically they had the happily married, just married sign on their car, essentially dragon cans. And she just gets drive by shot. And that is how this James Bond movie ends. Which is really strange. Yeah, it seems like, oh, we got a killer. How can we do it? Just do a drive-by. It's That's cool. That's exactly what yeah. happened. Quick and over. Yeah. So, yeah, if you listen to our Bond podcast and you're going to check those movies out, maybe throw this one on there as well. And then our next Blast from the Past movie. I'm so <laughs> excited to hear from so this much. because I love this movie so much. Me too. And I was so glad when you said you were going to watch it for the first time. We're talking about White Men Can't Jump. Yes. Yeah, so again, for someone for someone who doesn't like sports, I have quite a few sports movies on my list this year. <laughs> so I'd seen uh, I watched White Man Can't Jump at the recommendation of, of Randy. It's also one of those movies that I always meant to watch for the last you know thirty one years. Specifically, I want to be clear: we're talking about the nineteen ninety two version, not the recent yeah, remake not the that new came Hulu out. Hulu version, which yeah. I did watch, and it's fine. Eh, it was it was what it was. I yeah. didn't watch it. And that's kind of what precipitated me watching it. You know, this time because I'd heard that was coming, and not that I had interest in watching, but I was like, I should watch the original because I do love Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes. Yeah, it is fine. It's, it's, and, yeah, and it's it's just you know they're two hustlers trying to hustle a basketball game. Pretty simple plot, but they have such chemistry. It's so freaking funny, and like it's like it's just such a great time. Like I just I thoroughly enjoyed watching this. It was like a short hour and a half thing, and I I, I loved it. Yeah, great I movie. saw it when I was a kid, and it's just it's a classic. Wall to wall. I think I watched it for the first time Hollywood Video, not at Hollywood Video, but taking it home. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it was one that I'd always seen, but I think that uh, you know when I was younger, I was like, oh, that's probably not the movie for me. Exactly, but well, it turns out that it. it's definitely the it movie is. for me. There's the chemistry between Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson is just so crazy good in this yeah. movie. It's probably like the best buddy chemistry I've seen on a film. I was a big Wesley Snipes fan. Me too. Uh, growing up as a kid, like mm-hmm. I loved him in Demolition. That was probably the first Demolition, thing. Demolition Man. Yeah, Demolition Man. Favorite, not Demolition. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was probably my like the movie that I remember him the most as a child. And mm-hmm. so like this was like a continuation of that. I was like, oh yes, I love this guy. And then everything, Passion Fifty Seven. Anything I've ever seen him in, I just love. Major him. League. Major Mi- League. <laughs> Willie Mays. Yeah, that's right. Was Blade. Blade. Yeah. He was great in Blade. He yeah. was a good Blade. He was just great in everything, man. He's yeah, awesome. the nineties were a good time for Wesley Snipes. Yeah, I did. A, I was a big fan of his. And White Man Can't Jump is probably my favorite movie of his. Uh, it's definitely my favorite basketball movie, I'll tell you that. I don't know if it's my favorite movie of his, but it's awesome. It's great, yeah. I can't place it, but it's 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 a movie I would rewatch. Like I would rewatch it, you know, tonight. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> There's just so I many loved funny it. scenes yeah. in that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Moving on to our next blast in the past, and this one's from me. And this is a uh, Martin Scorsese's After Hours from nineteen eighty five. Um, I this has been on my list to watch for a while. It was always featured in like the uh, HBO Max app 
there it, it was there forever. So I'd always pass it by and then think, oh, I'm just going to come back and watch that later. And then I finally did. And the quick synopsis is an ordinary word processor has the worst night of his life after he agrees to visit a girl in Soho he met that evening at a coffee shop. And then shenanigans ensue. Like, this guy goes through the ringer. He's having the night from hell. And when I watched it, I realized, oh, this makes sense when I, uh, the season two episode of Ted Lasso, Beard After Hours. Beard After Hours is a direct remake of this film. <laughs> so yeah, if you're interested in watching a Martin Scorsese movie that's not about a bunch of gangsters and you just want to see something different, I would say give this a watch. Nice. Cool, cool. Mm-hmm. All right, and then moving on back to this year. Heck yeah. And this is for all of us, Creed 3. Mm. God, I love this movie. I love boxing movies. It's so good. And this is a great one. And this one is good. It's really good. Um, it, I didn't see it in... Th- did I see it in theaters? I might have seen it in yeah, theaters. Yeah, we saw it. Oh, Remember yeah. we went like on a random weeknight. That's right, we did. Yeah. And I don't know, I just... I love the Rocky franchise. And Creed is such a great extension of it. And Michael mm-hmm. B. Jordan is awesome. And I know there was some stuff with him and Sylvester Stallone, but whatever. Uh, besides that, this movie is just so fun. And um, what's his name? Who plays the bad guy in it? Uh, Jonathan Majors. Jonathan Majors. He's had yeah. some Not, he's Yeah, he's had some troubles, exactly. But, yeah. but like, he's great in it. He's great in it. His wife's great in it. Uh, or not his wife. Um, uh, Creed's wife in it. Tessa is great. Thompson. Tessa Thompson, yeah. yeah, is great in it. Uh, so for me, this, I, I already knew this movie was going to be great because, I, I, again, I love boxing movies. I love the Rocky series. I love, I've loved the Creed series. This one, I think, might have had some people, a little, not skeptical, but a little apprehensive because it's the first one that Stallone isn't in. Yeah. But it didn't matter. Like, it, it worked great without him. Like, it's a pretty great way to kind of spread his wings and, and take the, the, the Rocky legacy with him, you know? Yeah, he, he does bring it in different directions, but he's but I feel like they still work. Uh, some people complained about kind of the anime fighting towards the end of the movie, but for me, like I thought that lower worked well because it was like in their brain they were fighting. Right. Mm-hmm. It was there was to show you it doesn't matter. They could be fighting in an empty arena right now. Yeah. And it's it's still so personal for them. Yeah. That that's what's important. And yeah. I really loved that. I thought it was me so too. cool. It was such a visually pleasing final fight. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of good ones in the Rocky series. Yeah. And even in the Creed series, the one against Drago in uh, Creed Two was. Yeah. When I rewatched Creed Two, I remember just thinking that you know this final fight's a lot better than i remembered yeah mm. it's awesome yeah for sure yeah they've taken the, the rocky formula and they've done great things with it i've loved it yeah i'm wondering how much more they can do because now it's at the point where michael b jordan is getting too old yeah he's, he's, he's yeah he's getting past uh apollo he's, he's already age. gotten to the point where he's retired where apollo died come back. <laughs> it's like you know and they've had you know well, well, i'm gonna call it four rocky movies yeah so about bow and all that but it's like creed's you know three already i don't know if i told you guys this but they actually made a creed comic book that's in the future it takes place in the future and it has his daughter going getting into boxing and because she's deaf Oh yeah, you she's kind of like semi superhero because she has like better reflexes, uh, and it teaches her how to like box without having to hear the sound and stuff. And it's really good. So I don't know where they're going with it, but there is that. If you guys are looking for a sequel, there is some some medium for it. Yeah, I'd always heard that that was very much a possibility down the line, where Michael B. Jordan is the Sylvester Stallone yeah. to his daughter. Could be, and who I would watch Might it. Be. I'm yeah. sure it'd be awesome. It's something <laughs> they can go back to, you know, in 15 years or so if they want. He's got to fight Ivan Drago Jr.'s uh, Ivan Drago daughter, Jr. <laughs> Junior daughter, her daughter, <laughs> Ivana Drago. Yeah, nice. ten, hundred years down the line, we got like 
Rocky the the 10th versus versus Ivan Drago uh, Drago Jr. Senior Drago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go. moving on. Mike, this one's on your list and it's one that I've been meaning to get around to watch, but sometimes yeah. that runtime just I'm like I don't know if I'm able to sit down and watch this right now. But please tell us why we should watch Tar. Yeah, Tar. So Tar came out last year. The only reason I watched it was cuz it was um nominated for best picture and i had, then i was like oh i never heard this movie i should i should check it out so it's kate blanchett and she basically plays like this orchestra conductor um and she's like very famous or like about to be the most famous in her field but then there's some like scandals that happen and obviously i'm not going to give away the plot because it's a very new movie but like scandals that ha- happen throughout and it's how she handles it how she handles fame how she handles herself and like the megalomania that fame can bring uh, it's really awesome. Kate Blanchett is so awesome in it. Um, she like really balances the the character really well, from like crazy mania to like very subdued, um, and she does a really good job with that. So yes, uh, that's my pick. I've been meaning to watch it just because of Kate Blanchett. She's kind of awesome. One of the has a claim for being like you know one of the best actresses alive right now. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, definitely gonna give that a shot at some point. All right, and moving on, we got a little clump of video game movies here uh don how about you tell us about super mario brothers the movie mm, super mario brothers the movie so for we've not been the waiting bob hoskins not one. the bob hoskins <laughs> i'm gonna say i do love that movie but it's not a good movie obviously it's a terrible terrible movie uh but my brother and i do love it there's that's definitely a guilty pleasure but since that movie came out 30 years ago we've been waiting for a good super mario movie and we finally got one this year it's a very cut and dry family movie. There's not a whole lot to the plot. Like it's very much, you know, someone got kidnapped and you're off to rescue Luigi and, and friends. But I don't care. There's so many references buried in it. There's so many musical jingles, uh, animations, Easter eggs. For people, you know, for people who grew up with Mario, like it's just an amazingly fun time. It's super short. Yeah. You'll get through it, and it's just it's it's a fun watch. And I imagine if you have kids, it's even better. Yeah, I really like the the voice cast in this movie. This was on my list as well. Um, the, I remember when it trailer first dropped, there was like a exceedingly amount of heavy-handed hate towards Chris Pratt for no reason. For no mm, reason, yeah. like he does a good job of you know sounding like he's an Italian American, <laughs> not a not the stereotype of Mario's original voice actor. Which let's be real, if you heard that throughout the whole movie, you're gonna go crazy. It's good in little <laughs> sound bites. You yeah. go to hell before you die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought. Chris Pratt did a fine job. Anna Taylor-Joy, she did great as yeah. Peach. Mm-hmm. Charlie Day definitely embodies Luigi to me. I would say the best performance is Jack Black and as exactly. Bowser. Yeah, uh, I was quite a fan of... I, I love Donkey Kong to begin Seth with. Rogan I thought Seth Rogen was great as Donkey Kong. Kong. Was good. Who yeah. played Cranky? It was uh, SNL. Um, Fred, Ar- Fred Armisen? Fred Armisen, yeah. yeah. He was great. He was great it, so it's just... Again, like it's just a paint-by-numbers family movie, but I don't care. There's so much fun in the movie. I don't care. It's got all the hits. It's just fun. From start to finish, it's just fun. Yeah, like I was green ear the whole time because it was just such a great time. Like, it's just... If I was a kid, if I had gotten that one, you know, we got that when we were kids, it was blowing our minds. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? It would have been the best. Instead, we got Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo. We're like, okay, I guess this is cool because this is the only version out. Yeah, It's (laughs) because of the people who are writing these movies are finally old enough to have played them. Yeah, and the problem was we had people who just heard about like what Super Mario Brothers was. (laughs) Like, oh yeah, yeah, underground uh, like rave scene, right? Big big power boots with a big woman like singing. Yeah, 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 corpulent. What did he say? She was a corpulent woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's very corpulent. Yeah, 
Yeah, if you haven't seen that, then you definitely need to go out and watch it. It's a great one. Like I said, Jack Black as Bowser is probably my highlight of the movie for me, mm-hmm. especially when he's doing his, his jam. little do- his uh, huge hit. <laughs> soft peaches. rock. Peaches. Yeah, Peaches. When he does that on the piano by himself, it's just absolutely hysterical. And now we're going to move on to the next inspired by a video game movie on this list, and that's on Mike's list. And I just saw it the other night, and I did really enjoy it. We're talking about Gran Turismo. Oh, yeah. Gran Turismo, it's really good. I was had really low expectations because um, it's a racing movie based off a video game. Uh, so I didn't know what to expect. And, the, and it's funny, too, because when I first read the plot for it, I was like, man, that's so convoluted. What a ridiculous plot. Who would ever think that a sim e-racer would be coming like a very famous car driver? And then you realize that it's actually based on a true story. And it follows that story. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of like drama they build into it. But a lot of the elements in that story are true. A lot well, of the fantastical part. The official title, they've changed it, or they kind of, uh, I don't want to say they changed it, but they made it a point now that someone calls it Grand Turismo based on a true story. That's the title of the movie now. And it should be because it's it's really good, and the scenes that happen that are the craziest are taken directly from what really happened. And you're like, wow, what a crazy story. Although yeah. one event in particular didn't happen for quite a while later. No, well, yeah, yeah. Well, there's like a big accident that happens, but like, you know, it's, uh, but it was still cool. Really cool. Yeah, I definitely had a good time. The The actual racing scenes are, are really well done. Amazing, yeah. The first, like, quarter of the movie, like, gave me a chuckle because it was, it was to Gran Turismo what The Wizard wanted to be for Super Mario Brothers 3. <laughs> oh, it yeah. was such a blatant advertisement to oh, go play Gran Turismo. Gran Turismo. Sure. Mm-hmm. But it didn't bother me because as soon as, as soon as he wins that race and he's going to racing school. Yeah. The everything from there on out's really cool. Yeah, uh, did you did you even see this one yet though? No, this has been on my backlog too and I was in the same boat as I think pretty much anything else where it's like you knew that it had it you were going to have lower expectations because it's named after a series that has no story to begin with. Yeah. You knew it was just going to be a racing movie with, you know, a, a big IP name to it. But I like David Harbour, which is really why I, I kind of paid more attention well, to it. And Neil Blomkamp is the guy who did the... Uh, I think he did District 9 stuff, District right? 9. So yeah, he did so, this, and yeah, it's really good. So it's one of those things where I know the movie has a lot going for it. It's just I just haven't made time to see it. Yeah, like, I and, I, and I imagine once you do see it, you're probably going to immediately go back and watch Rush yeah. Ford v. Ferrari. Like, yeah. you, like I know I that's those, been on your yeah. list, too. I'm like, God, you didn't watch those. All I know you'll like yeah. those movies. Those have been on my list since, because I saw uh, Senna, that documentary, like, I don't know, so six, good. seven years ago, which I love. Yeah. And it, since then, there's always been like a, just a perpetual backlog of racing movies. Yeah, like I was a, always surprised you had never saw Ford v. Ferrari because Bale was great. in it. Yeah, I know. I, I, that was again. It's been on my on my list. Like you uh, know, where I work, I could see it. It'll be on his 2024. <laughs> it will be yeah. probably along with Gran Turismo. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then we got our last of our little clump of based on a video game movies. This is more based on the true story behind the making of a certain video game. It was on. Released streaming on Apple TV Plus, mm-hmm. and Don, this was on your list. Tell us about Tetris. Tetris, yeah, this is a this is a great movie about it's 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 definitely embellished from what I read. There's a lot that they embellish in this in the story, but it has a uh, Taron Egerton, I, I believe is how it's pronounced, mm-hmm. uh, and he's great in this movie. Uh, it's all about how how Tetris was made, and there's all this licensing stuff about it. Uh, it's it's not what you'd expect <laughs> because 
again, again it, it's it's related to uh, it, it's based on a true story, but there's a lot of you know moviness to it. But it, it's a great movie. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, there was definitely some elements of that film where it's like that did not happen. Exactly. There's no way that happened. But I still enjoy. I'm still enjoying this. Yeah, it it, it was the tone's really good. It's a pretty damn funny movie. It was something that I, I another way I didn't have much expectation for because I'm like. What could what could you do about Tetris? And I really watched it because I love Tetris. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> and it'll be a great movie. Yeah. The the central plot is that uh, Tetris is created by just some some guy in Russia. So basically. Alexei Pajdanov. Yeah, his and name is. I don't know what he does for work, but he kind of created Tetris just as a little hobby. And then you have this American. I think that what is he an investor or? He works I don't know for if he was a publisher or, or a something. Publisher, yeah, he's something like that. But he discovers this game. And realizes the vast potential of it, and he's trying to get the publishers to buy out the rights and all that. But this is Russia in the 1980s, so this is the Soviet Union, <laughs> and so it's not quite as easy as if and were, someone in America had yeah. just created this. And, they, and and Russia was trying to take the work from him because they also realized that it's worth exactly. money. Yeah, yeah, it's an unfortunate situation all around. I'm glad didn't. That guy got ultimately. I think. Out all right. Yeah, I think there was a long time he didn't get paid, but I think he finally got something. I, I don't know the full end of the story, but you know the thing is, it's like Tetris obviously became a worldwide phenomenon when it was released with the Game Boy as a pack-in. So this movie's like kind of leading up to that and everything else. It's 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 a it's a great fun movie. Like Apple TV Plus is only a few bucks. I would say it's worth for the month for five bucks. I think it is six. Yeah, bucks. I think I just canceled it because I know I'm gonna get it eventually again. Anyway. Yeah. But even if you consider that as like a rental, I would check Tetris out for five, six. Yeah, I, I I enjoyed it. I watched it that first night that it was available to stream. Me too. Yeah, the people I watched it with enjoyed it. Uh, if you have not seen it, go ahead and give it a shot. And we're going on to our next blast in the past, and we'll just go ahead and stick with you, Don. This is when you watched just a few weeks ago, wasn't it? Yeah, I've been scrolling through. Uh, I think it was HBO Max. I don't know where it was. I think I was just looking through Joel Schumacher's filmography on, <laughs> on one How of the random. streamers. People looking up Scorsese and well, Kubrick, <laughs> and you're looking up, oh, Joel I got, Schumacher. I'm at a Schumacher yeah. movie tonight. Well, it's because I'd been, uh, I, we were talking about Batman Forever, my brother and I, and plus our, one of our recent podcasts. And I don't know why. I was just scrolling through because, again, I can't decide what to watch. I went through Joel Schumacher's filmography, and I found A Time to Kill, which is a 1996 uh, drama or legal drama and I love legal movies just that's another genre that I just have a lot of love for and this one's insane because it has a huge cast of stars there's Matthew McConaughey Sandra Bullock Samuel Jackson Donald Sutherland Kiefer Sutherland Ashley Judd Chris Cooper and there's a ton more people in this movie mm-hmm. and this movie's all about when a um, an African American girl is beaten and raped in uh, I think it's like Alabama or no Mississippi and uh, it's all about how her her father killed the rapists because I think they were they were escaped or two like white trash yeah hillbilly like hillbilly types. guys yeah and, and the story is about Matthew McConaughey picking up the case and trying to clear Samuel L. Jackson but the movie ends up getting um to a to a crazy climax where there's like there's a lot of racial tension at the end because mm-hmm. you have basically literally the Ku Klux Klan trying to you know get the black man convicted and everything. And this movie was great. Like it was a pretty tense drama. There's a lot of twists and turns, and I would say it's one of those Joel Schumacher movies that I never really heard about, and it's arguably maybe one of his better ones. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of his best movies. It's one of my favorite like courtroom movies. It's awesome. It's yeah. great. It's really I, good. I don't know how I hadn't heard of it. Like I'm, I'd seen the cover. I recognized that, and I just put it on. And I was I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, McConaughey gives a great performance too. Mm-hmm. Probably one of his better ones in his early career. Yeah, he rocks. 
All right. And now we're going to go over to Mike. Uh, you had this on this list. I, I do, too. I probably don't feel as strongly about it as you. But we're going to go ahead and talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Oh, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and why I, I wanted to put on this list is that uh, for one, one we have we talked about this before. Super superhero fatigue is real. There is a lot of superhero movies that come out, and if they are, they need to be better now than they were ten years ago. And if they're not, we're just gonna not watch them, uh, which is a bummer because there's some good ones that I think go by, like Blue Beetle. I really liked but that <coughs> went by really quick. This one was one that actually stuck the landing, got you know got a lot of money, did like really did well, and like was really good. Um, so Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is the final film in this iteration of the Guardians. And that started, I don't know when Guardians of the Galaxy came out. 20, I think it was like 2014 2014? or 2013. Yeah, like could that. have been. Yeah, it's a long time ago, almost 10 years ago. And uh, just from start to finish, it's great. Uh, Bradley Cooper is, is kind of, he's his character, Rocket, is kind of front and center for this one compared to the last two. And you kind of get to go through his history and learn about how he became who he became and all this stuff. And, but uh, music's great as always. Action scenes are fun. The last, that last final scene with them like going up against all of the, the bad guys at the end is so cool. Cause it goes back to those guardian days that, from the beginning and um, really good story, really um, poignant parts. Uh, made me cry for another Marvel movie that made me cry. Yeah. It definitely had some of those really emotional moments and, the MCU has a certain type of formula with their humor. And I feel like a lot of it is because of guardians yeah, of the galaxy. It's the only one. Who's allowed so to do when it. they do it, it feels genuine to me uh, in a lot of other movies. It might feel a little more forced, but this guardians crew, they've got such a good chemistry together. You know how their dynamic is and it continues to be a lot of fun in this third installment. And what, I don't know if it's going to be the final installment, it's definitely. It sounds like it's probably going to be the final installment for some people, at least for a while. So, yeah, and if it does, it's probably going to be a new team um, with, the, and maybe they'll have cameos from other team members. and yeah. stuff. but I think it's going to be a new team, which makes sense. It should, and, be. unless you know, because I know Batista said that this was his last go around as Drax. But he can't keep that body in. Yeah, Drax oh, shape. for sure. That's, that's <laughs> really difficult. <laughs> yeah. It's a great movie. Definitely go see it if you haven't seen it yet. It's a, probably the best superhero movie of the year. Um, possibly. I, I, uh, I don't know. There's probably another one. I think once once you remember, you're gonna be like, oh wait, no, that's. I would the say one. there's one yeah. more. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. saw Guardians. And I liked it, but I wasn't uh... live action superhero movie. Let me say that. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Add that qualifier. Yeah. There, another metric. Yeah. Uh, I, I liked Guardians, but I think uh, you know it was really good. Is much better than I expected it to be, but. The Guardians trilogy is like the only trilogy or recent Marvel trilogy that I genuinely love with each iteration because they've just they have gotten better and better with each one. Mm-hmm. All right, and while we're on the topic of superhero movies, this one's going to be a little bit more of a hey. debate. Of course, it's on my list, loosely, almost not on my list. But when I saw that it was on their list of disappointments, I kind of wanted to defend it a little bit. And we're talking about the Flash. So the Flash I saw in theaters in the D box seats. So it was a, that experience was much better than probably seeing it at home. Um, and I feel like this movie got a lot of undeserved criticism from people who hadn't even seen it. Yeah, that's that. Those the, are that the things was I the hate. Problem with for me, where it's like, did you watch it? Because it's not a bad movie. To me, it's not a bad movie. There's some cool stuff in here. I thought that the 
the stuff surrounding Ezra Miller like kind of puts a damper on it. Yeah, because you can't promote the movie at it's all. It's really <laughs> hard to promote the movie when your problematic star is out doing problematic things. That being said, Ezra Miller does a really good job playing essentially two characters, two lead characters. Yeah. And delivering a pretty... I, I like the overall story and structure of this movie. And I loved seeing Michael Keaton back as Batman. I thought that was so cool. The girl that they got to play uh, Supergirl, I thought she did a good job. She is great. Yeah. And so I'm just curious, what was it about it that you would consider disappointing to you? Um, so the amount of money they spent on that movie for it to look the way they, that it did really bummed me out. Uh, and then the way they tried to justify all of that really made me annoyed too, because they, they tried to like really, you know, say that there was a little bunch of reasons why, and they were all like artistic, but it definitely looked like, you know, you just really couldn't do what you wanted to do because I don't know why, but the CG was terrible in this movie for how much they spent. Ezra did well as Flash. His, I know his character was supposed to be annoying and like the alter ego was supposed to be annoying and like emo and all those other things you kind of hate about him but i don't know i didn't really like it as much and then the the ending was fine but i was hoping for more i don't know it just didn't it didn't the things that i was hoping it would do it just didn't do it just didn't do for me yeah i think it's uh interesting you point out that ezra did a great job as two different flashes and i thought that um you know they didn't do a great job at the quirky dumb kind of you know anxious bizarro flash i'm not sure if there's an alter ego name for that but i i thought it was so stupid that's really what killed the movie for me like i was already kind of on its on its teetering on stage because i'd heard a little bit of hype behind this i think i don't know which one of you guys told me it was actually pretty good that's probably me it might have been so i watched it and it's too long it's a solid two and a half hours i feel like it could have been the last hour and a half is not bad but Two and a half hours for this kind of movie with so little meat on the bone was just, it was, you know, it wasn't great. Like, it didn't do anything to change my perception of DC movies. And I just thought that was just like another paint by numbers superhero movie following a formula with like certain character archetypes, certain performances. And again, Bizarro Barry, I just, I did not like it at all. It just, it was just too dumb. I think another thing that really hurt this was that essentially James Gunn was saying like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that, that there's gonna be a Why new continuity going forward. This felt like this movie should have been what's gonna build your new continuity. Yeah. And instead, it's just kind of no. We're just gonna reset the old one, mm-hmm. and then some other movie's gonna start our new continuity. Keaton was definitely a highlight, though. Like obviously, with that, I will say, Grant, that's playing my nostalgia fiddle quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But any scene he was in, I, I did enjoy. But overall, like from beginning to end, I wouldn't watch this again just because it's two and a half hours and yeah. it was really not great. My well, biggest disappointment about this movie was. No Catwoman. Yeah, but... I would have popped, like, some Mark hearing Stone Cold's Steve Austin's glass shatter <laughs> if freaking Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman popped up to get mm-hmm. Batman out of a tricky situation. To be, like... But also say, like, shout out to Sasha Calais. She was the one who played Supergirl. Uh, and she was awesome. She got a lot of hate for it because she's, like, not Superman and she's yeah, a woman. But she kicked ass and she was awesome. She was she, great. She was she, she was, was the really coolest good. part of that movie Easily. for me is, like, she was just taking names and, like, just the coolest person she in the She was room. herself and it worked. And yeah. Yeah, she was definitely a, a highlight of the movie. When she's just rocking those Kryptonians, it was and you're, awesome. And you're right. The CG was garbage, too. Like, yeah. it blows my mind that there's some movies that have these insane budgets and there's still seams that you can see in the CG somehow. Yeah, like the... The parts where 
they actually we won't spoil it i won't spoil it for people who haven't watched it but there's parts where it's like this is why did you just not do a live action thing yeah. for this this is ridiculous you know so like again you could you could see a worse superhero movie but for me it's like you may watch it once and that's it like this isn't something i'm gonna revisit yeah i definitely wouldn't put it on the best of the year what you did was you changed the future and you changed the past if a person is stupid enough to mess with time what you eventually end up with is this multiverse some strands run almost parallel there will be inevitable intersections and others that are just wildly divergent what it is it's a hot mess it's a crapshoot it's all just a crapshoot what's the parmesan mean the metaphor is over it's just a garnish and i'll tell you something a person would have to be an idiot to play craps with a space-time continuum. An idiot. All right. Well, with that, why don't we take a quick little break from our favorites so, you know, you two Debbie Downers can go ahead and talk more about your disappointments from this year that you've seen. Uh, all right. Well, for me, The Flash is definitely on there. <laughs> it's on mine, too. Yeah, Grant, I was going to say, I, I, I didn't have high expectations to begin with, and it still didn't meet my low expectations uh, another one was Cocaine Bear. That movie looked really funny based on the trailer I'd seen. Like, I didn't ex- again, I didn't expect a whole lot from that, and it was still pretty not funny at all. Yeah, it was more just like a dumb SNL skit that was an hour and a half, and just kind of you know, the, the joke gets old after ten minutes. And the last one for me was uh, Big George Foreman. Um, I saw that. Yeah, I liked it. See, I didn't like it because... It's like a Hallmark movie. Yeah, right? So it's like, I love, again, I love boxing movies, but this started off as like a great boxing movie that became this really heavy-handed, like religious, uplifting lifetime story. It was like made by a religious production. I didn't even know that. Yeah, it was like a Christian movie. perfect sense. Yeah, Yeah, so once that happened, I was like, ah, geez, like, all right, I'm kind of done with this now. Yeah, once I saw the preview and and could kind of tell that that's what the movie was, I was, nah, okay, I don't know. I didn't think it was going to be so heavy-handed. Like, I just thought you I mean, know that's who he feels he is I mean, it's, it's, right Corman, yeah. everything's it's just yeah. not for me yeah. that's all yeah. it is that's like, it yeah, yeah. That's a, that, i would say the thing i would say the same thing it's like it was actually pretty fine and the, and the boxing scenes are fine but it definitely is very heavy-handed with the messaging but if that's what george Foreman exactly wants to do, if, if that's his life absolutely but for me i was just like and if you like that like <laughs> that's fine with you it doesn't have to be forever you know not you my don't thing like, to watch yeah exactly, exactly. i'll watch lifetime <laughs> Um, all right, so my disappointments were one, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I forgot about this one. It was I saw it in theaters with my wife. We're huge indie nerds. We wanted to give it the benefit of the doubt. I don't. Let me say this: the amount of hate, just like for Flash, just like for Guardians, the amount of hate that some of these movies get, especially for their female protagonists, really annoys me. Because Phoebe uh, Waller Bridge was fine. In this movie, she was good. She like I think people thought she was going to take over the movie and become the next Indiana Jones, and that's not really what happens. Um, the over the top, the, the thing that like I think Indiana Jones, the old ones would do, and maybe it was a limitation of the budget, was the supernatural things would happen, but they would be very quick, and there'd be like maybe just a couple minutes of supernatural stuff, you know, pulling out your heart in Temple of Doom or the ghosts that come out in Raiders, like thirty seconds to a minute tops, right? This one spends like 20 to 25 minutes in in that realm. <laughs> and it just is so, you're just like, this is way too much. This is way too much. This is ridiculous. It would be one thing if it was just for a couple of minutes, but the fact that it takes a third of the film is this part, it's just not good. But other than that, there's a lot of like really good stuff to like. There's a lot of Indiana Jones tropes that I love. 
But at the end of the day, it just wasn't very good. And yeah, it felt as a disappointment because I was so excited for it. I'm going to assume it's still better than Crystal Skull. I was about to say, it a, is a better bajillion, than Crystal Skull. A bajillion percent. It's, I expected yeah. that at the least. Yes. So uh, we had a flash. So we'll talk about, uh, we don't want to talk about that. My two last ones. One of them is like, you guys are going to be like, how could you possibly disapp- be disappointed with this movie? But Fast X uh, is on there. Oh, okay. uh, mm. I am a huge Fast and Furious fan. I loved the first the first one, especially when I was in high school. Two is not great. Uh, anyway, I love them all. The, they've gotten progressively worse and worse and worse. This last one was so bad. The, the plot was so convoluted. They basically all become little James Bond juniors. And they barely even have cars in them anymore. They're all like driving tanks and spaceships. So I was hoping for a quick end. But no, this is a cliffhanger. They leave it on a cliffhanger for a part two. Fast 10 2. Fast 10. They're taking them fast from Final Fantasy 10. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or maybe it's going to be Fast X2 X-Men United. Yeah. Mm. It's ridiculous. And Jason Momoa is not good in it, which is a bummer because I love Jason Momoa. Uh, but yeah, overall, not great. Um, and then my last one is Fool's Paradise. So Fool's Paradise is a written and directed by Charlie Day uh, from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia fame. Plays Charlie. And it's basically about like a guy who is has... They even kind of say it in the beginning of the movie is that he basically has the intelligence of like a golden retriever and he acts like basically acts like a golden retriever. And it's just it's a Hollywood movie. It's about Hollywood and, and fame and things like that. And basically without giving away the movie, because you can see it from the previews, is that he starts to become rich and famous because he kind of looks like this one actor. But because he doesn't do anything because he's just like always, you know, he's just a Labrador dog the whole time. He like all of these crazy hijinks ensue. But it's really boring. It's not very funny. I was really hoping to like it. I hope that Charlie Day does more stuff, but this was a swing and a colossal miss. That's, okay. That is my list. Uh, I didn't have a lot of disappointments. I tend to have a pretty good eye for avoiding movies that I feel I'm not going to enjoy. Uh, there was a few, but the but I tend to forget about them. The One of them was, we had actually covered a few weeks ago, and I didn't see it until this year was Double Impact. Was, <laughs> oh, you, you, you were disappointed with Double Impact? I was very disappointed with Double Impact. That's I thought, so you know, we're going to get double the Jean-Claude Van Damme. So Van Damage, they double said. The great. Yeah, double the Van Damage. I can't. And, I would, okay, I'm sorry. Well, I, I know, but I mean, don't get me wrong. I watched some other some other Van Damme movies, but this one just did not click with me. The, you, need, I, you only want one Van Damme. I, yeah, a little... Exactly. A little less Van Damage for this guy. Yeah. A little more sensical of a plot would be helpful, too. In a Van Damme movie. That's a pretty heavy-handed the, their request. Their plot is that they're basically getting revenge for their parents who were murdered over a tunnel. Yeah. And I don't under, and they're supposed to reclaim their their birthright. And I'm like, is their birthright a freaking tunnel? Mm-hmm. Or is it like the toll fees from that <laughs> Could be making money. You don't yeah, know. You don't know. It You'll just, never know because no, one was it, dropped it, at a French convent. It did convent. not work mm-hmm. for me. So that definitely sticks out. And mm-hmm. then if I hadn't have already seen it, Suburban Commando would have been on this list as well. I, mean, I, I felt pretty miserable doing the preparation for that episode, guys. I'm <laughs> oh, not going to lie. I think it was only saved by a showdown in Little Tokyo, at least unlocking a core memory of my childhood and realizing I'm not crazy. There was a movie that this happened that I remembered. <laughs> it's a tale of two tastes because as I was preparing the episode for that, uh, I was... Happily about Just that so one. happy. Yeah, I was, yeah. Ecstat- I was ecstatic. It's <laughs> so, like, check it out, guys. It has all the stats on the PC screen. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, I, it's really hard for me to remember which ones I was disappointed with. But I tend to not finish those movies. 
Hi, Barbie. Hi, Ken. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Ken. Hi, Ken. Hi, Ken. Hi, Ken. Hi, Ken. I got us both ice cream. Cool. Hi, Barbie. 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 Hi, Ken. Hi, Barbie. 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 Oh, hi, Alan. There are no multiples of Alan. He's just Alan. Yeah, I'm, I'm confused about that. So now that we've got that out of the way, let's go ahead and end this show on a high note with these last few that we got. Last few, I mean, like, you know, yeah, a little like under ten. half. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, few? <laughs> what are you talking about? What do you count as uh, few, To be Randall? fair, yeah. I feel like our pace is a lot brisker than I thought it would coming into this. Yeah, we're doing well. Yeah, so we're going to go ahead and get started with you 2 mm. This is a movie I've been meaning to watch, but as you know, there's a lot of good video games out right now, so I have not sat down to watch this yet. Yet, So please, tell me about the creator. Yeah, Don, you want to take it? Or you want me to take it? You saw it recently. I saw it recently. More recently yeah, this than was, me. Uh, Mike told me about this movie, and he, he basically said, I know you'll like this. And he mm-hmm. was right. He nailed it. It's uh, This is a pure... To the bone sci-fi movie. And I love these types of movies where the entire world is science fiction. It has deep roots to it. And this movie is about uh, John David Washington. And uh, in this future, in this world, um, there is a st- it's kind of like The Matrix where there is AI and there is humans. And the AI wants to basically sort of take over the world. And there's a sort of governing ship well above in space that can, you know, obliterate AI depending if they kind of get out of line. Or anything. It sounds like anything. a drop nukes. Yeah, yeah, it's basically like they're dropping nukes. So this movie is all about John David Washington um, bringing this child who's supposed to be the savior of humanity to, to basically save the world of, of the AI. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a great freaking movie. It's, it's lower budget. I think, you know, I, c- I could always nit- have a few nitpicks, but... It was a great movie overall. I loved it. And this is well was, realized. When, this is when I complain about uh, the Flash a lot. Is because imagine the budget that this had and the graphics that you get and mm-hmm. the CG in this movie compared to the Flash with that budget. It's it's almost criminal. What yeah, they did with because that. the the people the actors in this movie they have like um, you know they have like see through parts because it looks like they're they're part they're almost like cyborgs. Like or some of them are all robot. Or yeah, they're all robot. Or they have like limbs that are yeah. robotic, and it looks. Really good. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't even th- consider that, but yeah, considering what Flash had for a budget and the, you know the type of movie this is, yeah, it looks miles better. It just does more with less. It it's um it's a really nice throwback to those like eighties uh, sci fi movies. I think we remember like uh, Total Recall and Terminator and like those ones where they're in the future, but they're not like so far in the future that they're kind of impossible to get, mm-hmm. you know, you can't really gra- grab onto it. This one takes place in a future that could be in like 40 years, 50 years, you know? And yeah. so you you can kind of empathize better because you can kind of understand the stakes and everything that are going on. It's real real things happening. And it's kind of got this reverse Terminator vibe going on the whole time. Like a reverse Terminator 2 is the best way to describe it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I loved it. I thought all of the characters were great. Yeah, Um and John David Washington is always awesome in every movie. I loved Black Klansman, and you know, yeah. there's a bunch of movies he's been in, but he's he's really good in this too. I, I can't remember the name of the lady who's the main bag, the villain. In I ca- it. I can't uh, remember. She's great in it. She was in like West Wing, and and uh, but like I remember her in ten things to, ten things I hate. About yeah, her. I didn't see a whole lot of buzz about this movie, which is really unfortunate because I, I hate Hattie. when movies like this just kind of get swept under the rug because you know it's not a big mm-hmm. budget or doesn't make you know half a billion dollars or something. Yeah, it's awesome. Definitely check it out. Uh, I love it. If you love sci-fi, if you love Terminator, you're gonna love this movie. It's really cool. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to check this one out soon. All right. So moving on to on my list, 
a movie with only half the Van Damage of Double Impact. I can't believe you didn't see this until. Exactly, right? I can't believe it either. But I had, until this year, very early this year, I had never seen Bloodsport. At least Bloodsport the whole way through. I'm sure I'd seen little bits and pieces of it here and there. But uh, this was great. Look, this it's is, so this is a really good just martial arts movie. Yeah. That's, that's all it is. It's got a very flimsy plot to get you to the Kumite, which yeah. is the basically at the time would be kind of like an MMA event almost. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Less grappling, more striking. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, I can't believe you didn't see it. I know, now. right? That's it, crazy. Because I'd seen a lot of Van Damme movies when I was a kid, but I, I guess it was just that this one wasn't as readily available to me. Yeah. I don't think they played it much on TV. Yeah, I was, it, was, no. it was like the Kickboxers. Always a lot of the or, 90s yeah. Van yeah. movies, not this one. I saw this Universal one. Soldier was always on TV. I thought this one was pretty young, like 21, 22 maybe. And it quickly became my favorite Van Damme movie. And Bolo Jung is great in it. Yeah, he he's is. just an he's awesome great. villain. What's his name in it? Uh, in the, the actual... Chong? Yeah, Chong Lee. Yeah, Chong, Lee. Chong Lee. And just a total badass in it. And uh, Forrest Whitaker. Mm-hmm. Forrest Whitaker, or early Forrest Whitaker role, was great in it, too. Yeah, a little bit after Fast Times. Yep. <laughs> yeah, great great movie. Yeah, like I said, the, the plot is so flimsy. It's just an excuse to it. get Jean-Claude Van Damme into this tournament setting. You know and it's a great tournament movie. You know what's crazy? That city in the movie doesn't exist anymore. Oh, really? It's been flooded. It's uh, I can't remember what the name of the city is, but yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, if you've never seen Bloodsport like like me it's until this Van year, Damme. we'll have to do an uh, episode on Bloodsport mm-hmm. sometime. It's so good. It, he, yeah. it is. It's so fun. Uh, definitely go out and see that movie. It's one of the best martial arts movies ever made. All right, and sticking with uh, oldies. Don, uh, tell us about Angel Heart, a movie oh, that I man. don't know like anything about. Yeah, so this is a movie that I had heard again. I had heard about a long time ago. Totally forgot about it, and I, again, I was just kind of scrolling, and then I saw it. And I was like, I oh, maybe I should check it out because it's in 1987, which I didn't realize it was that old. 1987 psychological horror noir movie. Mm. Uh, it stars Mickey Rourke when he was younger, like before he got like all the plastic surgery into his boxing career. So it's already weird just to see him like pre-wrestler you know like yeah. long before wrestler uh robert de niro's in it and uh lisa bonet oh, no. and this movie is about um mickey Rourke. He, he's a he's a in private investigator and this takes place like in the in the late 50s i want to say 1955 somewhere around there uh and uh he's hired to investigate and find um by a man to invent to find a guy named johnny favorite who's like this uh who's a crooner he's like a singer a lounge singer and uh the reason he has to go find him is because this man that hires him, which is Robert De Niro, says, you know, he and I made a deal and he reneged on my deal. We need to, you need to find him. So this movie, much like Jacob's Ladder and all those sort of twisty, turning, like in the mouth of madness, like those really, oh, yeah. those really heavy handed, like a horror movies where yeah. you're trying to figure things out and you're not getting enough information to put pieces together. And then there's a huge twist at the end. And you're like, oh crap. Like it, this is, <laughs> I didn't, I wouldn't have expected this because he's chasing a man and you're finding out. You know, and in the midst of it, everyone he's talking to, all the witnesses that he's talking to to find Johnny Favorite end up dead the moment after. Mm. So it's all this sort of, you know, mystery of like what's happening to these people, where's Johnny Favorite, and it pays off. It's a it's a really great movie. I liked it a lot. Robert De Niro's really quirky in this movie. He's really bizarre, um, but it's a fantastic movie. I definitely recommend seeing it. All right. So also an oldie that I think all of us watched at 
around the same time because you mentioned this one, Mike, mm-hmm. and this is on your favorites list. It's not on mine, but it's also not on my disappointments. It just is what it is. But why don't you tell us why Judgment Night is on your list of best movies you've watched this year? Yeah, it's weird because it's such a 90s movie that I feel like I I don't know how this escaped me. I don't know. I've never even heard of this movie <laughs> until... Um, until this year yeah this year like the beginning of this year i'd never even heard of it and it has a bunch of like very famous stars from that era that i'm like how did i never hear this it stars emilio estevez cuba gooding jr uh jeremy piven and uh what's his name is dennis Dennis leary is the bad guy um and it's basically (laughs) it's these guys who go to chicago for like a, a sporting event and when they get there, they somehow go, they get transported to a different reality of Chicago that I've never heard of, where it's like a dystopian wasteland. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's basically what right-wingers always refer to when they talk about Chicago. Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> I've never, it, it looked like uh, a city that would be in like the Double Dragon movie. Like it was just so, uh, uh, yeah. like trash cans on fire everywhere, the garbage just littering all the street, wind swept garbage just going all over the People place. People too afraid to even be on the street. Yeah, because it's so dangerous and stuff. It's so insane. Yeah, how did they get into this? You area? think Robocop would have gone there if that was that, but okay, <laughs> to get back to the actual plot. So they go to this place and they kind of just get themselves into trouble with a local drug lord and they're just trying to survive the night to get to the police station or just really just to get help. If they can basically, if it, gets, it becomes daytime, they can survive. And it's just them trying to survive. Uh, and it's so good. It's weird to have Emilio Estevez as the leading action star in a movie because he's like five foot tall and, and stuff. And uh, so that's kind of weird at parts. But Kubi Gooding Jr. is great in it. Jeremy Piven is awesome in it. He's so ridiculous. It, it's um, no more weird for Emilio Estevez to be like the leading action star than it is for him to ever have a potential NHL career. Yeah. <laughs> you know You know who else is in it? Um the guy from Pulp Fiction and The Mask. Um, Stoltz? Stoltz. Oh, or not Stoltz. Not Stoltz. Are you mean the bad guy? The bad guy, I forget yeah. his name. He was, yeah, he was but also you know in The Mask. About the, but yeah. he's like in all of those 90s movies. He's the, bad, uh, he's the and picturesque he's, bad guy, yeah, Dorian. He's Dennis Leary's like heavy. He's like yeah. the hand, like his number two in command. I can't remember what that guy's name is, but he's in all of those movies. And uh, yeah, and he's in this one. He's in Training Day. Yeah. Um, but anyway, great soundtrack too. Really awesome soundtrack. And it's a weird movie, but I really liked it. It very much reminded me of nineties movies of that era. Like it was very much a nineties movie. It, it, it was, I, I just remember thinking that what stuck out to me the most was that I was, this is the strangest group of high school friends. I know. <laughs> what a weird collection of people this is. I know. I Especially can't... when Emilio looks older than them. And <laughs> Oh, Steven Dorff is in it, right? Oh, Steven Dorff. He's it? like, yeah, he's the younger brother of Emilio Estevez. Uh, Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a very, very young Stephen Dorff. Yeah, I, I did see this. Like, I didn't hate it. it. It was entertaining for what it was. Uh, Peter Green. Is he, the, that's right. Is the guy is from all those movies. All right, but a movie that I did thoroughly enjoy, and apparently so did Don. Don, tell us about Nicolas Cage in Renfield. Well, you guys know that I love Nicolas Cage. I think we all do, well, per- perhaps collectively and equally. Uh, this movie, it's it's a pretty hilarious movie. It's uh, directed by Chris McKay, who did the Lego Batman movie and a, and a bunch of other stuff. It has Nicholas Holt and Aquafina, and Nicholas Holt plays Renfield, who's a Dracula's servant. And Renfield, you know, after being oppressed for centuries upon centuries, decides he wants to go see what's out there in the world and what's <laughs> available. So this is kind of like a fish out of water experience. And uh, 
It was a movie that, you know, it's like a horror comedy, more on the comedy side, but it's just dumb fun. Like, there's nothing really to take seriously here. Yeah. And it's just <laughs> so goddamn hilarious with Nicolas Cage being Dracula of all things, That's too. That's so great. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, too. Nicolas Cage de- delivers both a, a hammy performance as well as just a truly magnificent recreation of Bela Lugosi's initial scene in Dracula. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really those first few great. moments of that movie where they're doing like a shot for shot remake of him as the ghost. It blew me away because of how good he was. Yeah. And well, and you know, Nicholas Cage, too, he, he's so invested in his roles that he made sure that, you know, he loves films so much that I'm sure that was something he wanted to make sure he got right. If there was nothing else in the movie that went right, that was what he wanted to make sure was right. Yeah, and I, I just really appreciated this movie. Like, for one thing, how ultra-violent it is. Yeah, it's like, over the top. really over-the-top violence and gore. Like, it's not realistic gore by any means. Because if it was, then it might be a little mm. more off-putting for the audience they're going for. Yeah, but it, it's a good movie. It's kind of like, uh, you know, I would say it's sort of like on the Evil Dead side of things. Where it's like, it could be kind of gory, but there's also tongue-in-cheek. And it's really funny. Like, it's just a, a twist on the Dracula story. And it's, it's a great movie. Yeah, it, it, it's a very funny movie. Because the whole thing is that he's going to like a support group for... Yeah. Because they're um, codependent, sort of what he realizes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and Renfield has a codependency on Dracula, and so when he's with this support group and he's trying to explain it to them, and they think that he's just talking about just like regular, you know maybe like his lover or something like his mm-hmm. husband and and <laughs> but realizing that no he's talking about the lord of darkness yeah Dracula. It's so fun. It's the, just the whole movie is an allegory for overcoming that. Uh, yeah and it doesn't hide that at all and I, I i loved it so much if you haven't seen it give it a shot and then next on our list mike why don't you tell us about killers of the flower moon yeah killers of the flower moon martin scorsese martin scorsese robert de niro leonardo dicaprio um, really great movie it's about uh the osage murders in oklahoma um, in the early 1900s, like 1920s, uh, I had read the book before. I read. I moved to Oklahoma for a little while, um, a couple years ago. I moved there for three years, and when I was there, it was kind of like required reading. Like you had to kind of read it. And uh, I read the book, and the book was awesome. And I was like, "This is it's like so crazy. The story is so crazy." Uh, everything is true in it too. That's like, even in the movie, like a lot of the stuff they do it actually absolutely happened. Mm-hmm. So that was crazy. Uh, but the acting's great. A lot of like native actors that you would probably not really get, get to see on screen as much, which is not okay. And it's great to see them portrayed like properly on screen. And, um, De Niro and DiCaprio are always awesome and they're amazing in this, uh, really great set pieces. Like action scenes are cool and crazy. Uh, overall, just great movie. Scorsese. It's long. I'll, I'll give you guys that. It's a long movie, but Scorsese is just like you know, deal with it. And I get respect. I, that. I watched this. I probably would put this on my list, but when we made our list, like it was before I'd seen this because yeah. this just came out on digital. Uh, I think last week. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, the length is is definitely there. It's three. It's three three and a half hours, like three hours and twenty six minutes. <sighs> but for me, like very long. yeah, it's very long. But I I didn't mind it. Like I kind of broke into sessions because it ended up being late when I watched it the first night. But I love this movie. It was really freaking good from beginning to end. So like good. it's it's long, but the the story is so interesting and it's just so fascinating that like I it had me the whole way through. I should give you the book because the book gives a little more context to things. Yeah, and it's a really quick read and it's it, the whole time you're like, whoa, 
whoa yeah no which is kind of how it was when <laughs> i was watching the movie yeah i was just like, getting angry and real? angrier yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's yeah. such a great movie though it's, it's so good the length might put people off but I, I i wish it wouldn't the length is the reason i haven't watched it yet it's, it's a so beefy good. one yeah for sure it, it might be the longest movie i've seen this year yeah <laughs> it's definitely for me and, yeah. and there's of, a couple that are long yeah. speaking of long movies the next one for what it is, exactly. is very long, <laughs> It is, but it is very much action-packed, and that's going to be on Don's list and my list. It is John Wick Chapter 4. Don, how did you feel watching this movie that first time? Uh, I, I freaking loved it. It's The John Wick series has been one of my favorite action series of the last, again, like 10 years. Like I said it was Mission Impossible as well. I but think those are the most consistent action they series. They're consistent. Yeah, and Keanu Reeves, Like it's funny to me that... Like, I've always liked Henry's ever since I was a kid, probably because I grew up with him, like the Bill and Ted movies Ted, and, yeah, and all those. Yeah, I watched Parenthood a lot. Yeah, right? And so it's it's interesting to me that he had such a poor reputation for being like a, a one-note actor, kind of monotone, because in the roles he does well in, he does really well. Like, The Matrix is my favorite movie of all time, and he's perfect in that. But it's interesting that, like, he's gotten this sort of career renaissance with, like, the John Wick movies and other things. Mm-hmm. And the John Wick action movies have been incredible for, for with each iteration. Like, I love the first one. And I didn't expect four to be that great because I'm like, it's you know, it's hard to do an action trilogy, let alone a quadrilogy like this, and keep the same quality. Mm-hmm. But uh, like Randy said, it's, this movie's nearly three hours, I think, just under. But it's 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 one of those again, one of those movies where it's paced so well that you're just hooked the entire way through. And there's a lot of great fight scenes in it. Donnie Yen is uh, an awesome, so awesome villain in here. He's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Donnie Yen was great. The probably my favorite shot of the whole movie was that overhead shot of him with the shotgun and it reminds you of like old video like, games. oh yeah like, like smash yeah like yeah. gta or something yeah. or uh yeah smash the original TV grand theft auto is like mm-hmm. one and two the mm-hmm. top down view yeah it, it was a really beautiful shot and just the whole movie was just yep yeah, sorry really beautifully shot the whole way through Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it, but I've seen like you know a hundred clips of it on YouTube. It's I saw really the whole great. entire gotta, stairway yeah. fight. Watch it. Yeah, it's just one of those things where it, it reminds me a lot of like wrestling too, where like you get I, I can watch the whole movie, I can watch the whole episode or show, but I could also just watch all the clips that I you care could. about on YouTube. Yeah, I mean it's like it isn't a time investment too. Like you do have to carve out almost three hours and just. And this was another it. cliffhanger, right? Or was this the end? Mm, uh, this one. It could be it open ended, I think. Yeah, it's it a little ambiguous because I don't know if they're planning to make a fifth one. I know they have the Continental, which I think I, I don't know where that fits, but I haven't watched that. It's like yet. a sideshow, a side shoot. It, it is. Yeah. But I, I thought I heard that they were going to make one more. They I might. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the thing is like I hope they kind of get to a point. It's like all right, we gotta yeah. you know we gotta not kill what we have here. Yeah, for sure. Yep. All right, moving on. This one was one I saw. I don't think you two have seen this one yet. No. But I was a little in the holiday spirit after Thanksgiving that I decided to go out and watch the movie Thanksgiving. Now, I know we went to go see the Grindhouse double feature all together. I do remember that. And do six, you almost remember 16 those years ago previews? now. Mm-hmm. I do. So in those previews, we had Machete, which has since spawned two movies. And then another one that was a favorite of everybody's was Thanksgiving yep. by Eli Roth. Wasn't it called Thanksgiving in there? No, it, no, was, just it was just Thanksgiving. Really? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know where yep. I get Thanksgiving from. That's so weird. Because uh, uh, there probably is a movie like that. Pr- probably, yeah. Uh, but um, that was one of the favorite trailers. And then here we are, like 15 years later or something, and we have Eli Roth's Thanksgiving. And why it's on my list is because it's just a really good quality slasher movie. The... The whole plot spins off from uh, one year 
a Black Friday sale gone absolutely horribly wrong. It turns into just a total bloodbath. And then we go to the next year and there's a killer on the loose, seemingly out of vengeance for what happened the year before. And it just, it hits all the right notes for a slasher movie. It's, you know, got some really cool kills. I heard it's campy, like nice camp. It it, it is. It's got some nice camp. It's It's pretty well cast. You know, you definitely hate some of those teens, which you kind of want to in a slasher like this. Yeah, they got to die. <laughs> exactly. You got to feel something about it. So, yeah, if, you, if you're if you in those kind of movies, go ahead and give it a watch. And now we're going to get to the last of our flashback movies. <laughs> and this is probably my favorite of these movies. I remember watching this earlier in the year. And after it was done, I texted Don and <laughs> said, hey, I just watched this movie. And I'm pretty sure this is the most Don movie that has ever been made. This movie is called Strange Days. Don, how did you feel when you saw this movie? Uh, well, you you pretty much nailed it, Randall. This was a Don movie through and through. Uh, this was made by or directed by Catherine Bigelow, who uh, did The Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Three, which uh, I, I forgot which one won an Oscar. Uh, both. Hurt Locker. Did both, both of them both win? Zero Dark Three won. Um, Best Picture? Uh, I, think I thought so. one went best. I know, I know her Zero locker one for sure. Yeah, mm, maybe I'll look maybe. it up. Uh, yeah, so it's it's one of her earlier movies. It's from 1995. And it's again, it's one of those movies where I recognize the name but just never knew anything about it. Um, and the the biggest reason why I think I like this, which I, I read after the fact, was that it was written by James Cameron and co-written by by Jay Cox. But James Cameron is like you know one of the best movie makers in history. Yeah, and this movie is all about a uh, a, a former cop who. It's in the future, and uh, they deal with sort of these uh, mind recordings, these sort of memories that are recorded. And he finds one of like a brutal rape and murder on one, and there's this very uncomfortable scene. Just, yeah. just FYI for everybody out there. Yeah, it's the person kind of I watched intense. it with was pretty off put, despite loving the rest of the movie. Yeah, so it's it's sort of how this uh, it's played by Ray Fiennes. Is that how you pronounce yeah, the name right, Ray, Ray Fiennes? Fiennes. And uh, he's he's the detective who finds this, and it's just again, it's another one of those movies where it's just the longer it goes on, the deeper the conspiracy hole gets, and then it, it culminates to a, a pretty crazy end, I would say. And it's yeah. a movie that you wouldn't expect, and it's it holds up really well. Like again, it's a 1995 movie that I watched in 2023, and it looks pretty damn good. And I I felt like the budget was pretty good. It, it's it's a damn great movie for me. Yeah, it's got a great neo noir feel to exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. It you know it has that kind of vibe going for it. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I think that Angela Bassett's character is probably my favorite supporting character. She was a total badass of a movie, in this movie too. That I saw this year, I was just absolutely bonkers for her. She was so good in this mm-hmm. movie. She was so cool, and basically, uh, almost like was like a bodyguard almost. Yeah, and and she just kind of gets him out of trouble, well, basically. And, and that's kind of where you see J- J- uh, James Cameron's signature, right? Because he tends to write these strong women in his movies, True. and Angela Bassett definitely fits that role, and she's freaking great in this movie. Uh, so to catch everybody up as well, Zero Dark Thirty nominated for Best Picture but did not win, um, and Hurt Locker did win. Best uh, that's what I, thought. I, knew I knew it was that. one or the other. Yeah, great but, movies um, too. <laughs> I think I wasn't sure. Yeah, I think one of the reasons this movie holds up so well is because of the reason it was not successful in the first place, mm-hmm. and that is it was a little ahead of its time. I think yeah, I don't mid nineties. It's a weird movie. I don't think people were really ready for this kind of cynical view of that this movie presented. Uh, it was still a few years later when we would get the matrix, which is a little mm. bit of a cynical view, but 
it's it was such a big bombastic special effects phenomenon. Yeah, and that, that everyone was gonna pile in to go see that. That yeah, that whole whole different thing of you know, it's like if Strange Days had come out in two thousand, it probably would have did better because of the Matrix. Right. But Strange Days, like I said, in the mid nineties, just because one of it, it was too or far it out of left out field. Like, oh, it it, now it was now, it was especially with how they portray some cops in there. Shit. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think should re- revisit that one too. Actually, I not definitely want to revisit year. it as well. It was probably my favorite of the older movies that I just saw for the first time this year. It's up there. All right. And now we're going to move on to one that's on all of our lists. And this is what I was referring to earlier when Mike was referring to Gal- Guardians of the mm-hmm. Best Combat Movie of the Year. But there's also Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. Mm-hmm. And I know you two absolutely love this movie. I liked it a lot. It is on my list. I don't know if I like it more than the first one. But why don't you oh. go ahead and, and tell us about it? I uh, So Spider-Man uh, Across the Spider-Verse takes place kind of uh, maybe a little bit after Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, it, it has Miles Morales, and he is kind of you know doing his Spider-Man thing while also trying to go to college. Same kind of Spider-Man problems we see with all Spider-Men. Uh, but then he starts getting pulled through different dimensions to help uh, stop the main bag. The, I wouldn't even call him the main villain, actually. Just a villain, a, an antagonist in the movie. And it just ends up pulling in Spider-Man from all over. Spider-Man people, I should say. And Spider-Things, even. Mm-hmm. Uh, from all over different realities. And you see way more realities than you did in the first one. You see a ton of different Spider-People, Spider-Things. Um, I thought that the acting is great. Uh, who plays Spider-Man 2099? And it's... Um, Oh, I don't remember. Uh, it's uh, not Pedro Pascal. I can't remember, but it's it's. Uh, I can't remember. Is it Jason Jason Schwartzman? No, that's no. the guy who plays the spot. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I Diego Luna, maybe I can't remember. It might be Diego Luna. Mm. Uh, but he, anyway, the whole plot is great. The but really, what it is too is the art style and the animation in it is so beautiful at times that it it can go down as one of the best animated movies of all time doesn't matter comic book doesn't matter and just the way that it's shot the way that it's directed uh and the animation style is so beautiful at times it's amazing the things they do yeah this uh as someone with serious serious superhero fatigue and marvel fatigue this movie was like the ultimate breath of fresh fresh air for me because it's uh it's so genuine in what it's trying to do and on top of that, like you said, the uh, like on my I have an OLED TV. Unfortunately, I have one of those, and this movie looks incredible on that. So the entire time I'm watching it, I'm already invested because the story's really great. It's everything's well written. I love all the casting. Everything's so freaking fun. Mm-hmm. But then the you know the visuals of the movie just look ridiculous. So it's like all that was just another treat on top of everything else. Yeah. And for me, it's like when superhero movies just you know, paint by numbers doing the same formula, trying to capture that same magic that like Iron Man one did, or, you know, Avengers Endgame. This is, you know, sort of making its own mark and drawing its own line in the sand saying like, this is the bar we're making, you know, try to top it. And I don't know how successful it is compared to, you know, the other movies, but this is like my, this is definitely one of my favorite comic movies I've seen in a long time. It may, it's going to go up. I mean, it did, but it's, it was on my top 10. Because, Same for me. Because, I put it at like number four, I think it and was. And I think, I, I would imagine as this movie goes forward, it might creep higher. Yeah. As I watch it again and again, it might creep higher. The only rough thing, and it, it's it's not so much a bad thing, but it's like, it is a part one, and it's one of those mm-hmm. things where it ends, it ends very abruptly. Yeah. Like, just when you want more, it yeah. ends. It, which is kind of nice, always leaving 
even wanted more, but I, I totally get what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, it just it, makes the wait that much more rough. That much more when you got a writers and actors strike in between. That's, that's going right. to make it even a longer wait. Well, plus they, uh, they dealt with crunch and all that stuff. So there's a lot of factors about pushing the next one back. And that's why I think as, as I go on and after the second one comes out... I'm either going to love this even more because I'm going to be like, oh, the thing that was annoying, it doesn't matter because now I can watch part two. Um, or I'm going to like part two the most because yeah. that's, that's but, the only two places you can But go. I think these two movies like Into the Spider-Verse and especially Across the Spider-Verse, I think it's one of those movies that like in five or ten years people are going to be examining more closely because of what it looks like and what it's done. It's, be- it's brilliant. I think it's just now like there's so many movies coming out and there's so many big movies this year that it didn't get lost in the shuffle, but I don't think people fully appreciate it for what it is just yet. Sorry, right? Do you want to say anything? I know you. you kind oh, of- I was just gonna say that um, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie, and I was just felt like almost blindsided because you don't realize how long you're watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, it goes out of by. nowhere, it goes fast. Yeah. out of nowhere, it was like I just got punched in the gut. It was like, all right, see you in three years. Yeah. Like that's what it felt like to me. Unlike you- Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning, which had at least a logical ending point, while still you obviously you want more. But you still got a satisfying ending point. Yeah. This one did not have a satisfying ending. One thing that I absolutely loved is how each dimension had its own very unique art style. Yeah. And you can see it very much throughout. Like when Stacy's dimension had that kind of almost paintbrush style uh, look to it. They had the guy from the like Leonardo da Vinci era. Like he had his own style. Like that was really cool. Yeah, they uh, like I said, the design here is just amazing. It's very well realized. Like it's very thoughtful. It's mm-hmm. it's incredible. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and that was a big smash hit this year. No, because of the personal vindictiveness he demonstrated against Dr. Oppenheimer. Order, order. It appears most scientists around this country that Robert Oppenheimer is now being pilloried and put through an ordeal because he expressed his honest opinions. Dr. Bush, I thought I was performing a service to my country when hearing this case. No board in this country should sit in judgment of a man because he expressed strong opinions. If you want to try that case, you should try me. Excuse me, gentlemen, if I become stirred. And we're coming into our final two movies, and these were the final. They're really big smash hits themselves. The two biggest movies. Of they the were year. probably yeah. the two biggest movies of the year. It's no probably. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, you're right. There is no problem. Yeah. These are the two biggest movies of the year, and also perhaps and the most culturally significant this year. In the yes. last decade, I'd even yeah. say we're gonna start with the movie that was my personal favorite theater going experience this year. We're of course talking about. Barbie, I mean, it, it won the it won the battle. It it, it, it dominated, crushed. It yeah. absolutely laid waste to everything in front of it. <laughs> and I think as cinema goers, we were really happy because we're like we kept hearing how it's a dying medium that everybody's mm-hmm. watching on TV these days, and like to have this happen to show that no, it's not dead yet. We got plenty of things left. We can make tons of money still. It's still a viable option. Uh, was really great. Yeah, and like I said, this was my favorite theater-going experience because when we went there, it was bananas. Like, I can't believe seeing the theater that full again. Like, you would think that it was a Star Wars Midnight show or something. But no, you've just got families in pink. And and people of all ages just crammed into a sold-out showing. And they were like this for a few weeks. Mm -hmm. Like, you would see, even we were, what are we, seeing 
Turtles when we saw Turtles in yeah, the there was like still, August. There was still people in pink lined up to go see Barbie. And that was like month. That, that was, month. That was, that was like, like a maybe month like after. three weeks or so. Yeah, it was yeah, I think it was close to a month, yeah. yeah. But um, this movie, all right, so we talked about the experience in the theater. But this movie itself was so funny. It felt like it was the Lego movie, but live action. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, the only downside is even in the Lego movie, there was Will Ferrell. And in this one, there is Will Ferrell and the executives, which I do think is the weakest part of the movie. Yeah, but luckily, they're not really a big part of it. They're, they just have a few scenes. Um, so this movie got a lot of criticism and praise. I feel like a lot of the criticism is silly from people who just do not see the point of this movie whatsoever. Yeah, I think most of that criticism got drowned out by its success, where people were like, you can criticize it all you want, but look at the money. Like, the go woke, go broke, uh, you know, fold yeah, of our it, country, where it's like, no, make a good movie and people will come and see I, it. I think this crossed a billion dollars, if I remember He's right. 100%. Right? So, yeah. so it, was, it was the biggest movie in Warner Brothers history. Exactly. So if there's any more, you know, proof that there, it's usually the vocal minority who just doesn't show up about the dumbest things, like, People don't care. They want to go see a movie and have a great time. It doesn't matter what it is. So not only was the environment around me with all the people that were just really happy to be there, but visually on the big screen, this is an impressive looking movie. Mm -hmm. It's so bright and colorful. And then you have really witty dialogue. Like there's some really funny jokes in there. Yeah. Margot Robbie's great. Margot Robbie is fantastic. And (laughs) obviously Ken, Mm -hmm. Ryan Gosling, he is so funny. The, their their relationship or lack thereof is the best part of this movie. Ken coming to the real world and seeing how men are, uh, there's the patriarchy going on, whereas he's used to being and Ken, because where he lives is Barbie land, yeah. and all the Barbies just are perpetually another class of citizen, and they don't even think about how that affects all those Kens who only want the devotion of Barbie. Mm-hmm. yeah it's a great there's a great message anybody who's saying that this is like some you know feminist uh manifesto it's like this is the least you know this is the easiest feminism that you can get into you know the lowest hanging fruit of feminism yeah if you're if you're upset by this brother then you're never gonna be okay with anything if you're the type that's upset about this movie i'm probably not your friend yeah because i'm clowning you so hard for for not seeing the point and for buying into exactly why they're able to make these jokes about you. And you're probably single. Let's be honest. <laughs> if you if you like hate this movie because of its messaging, you're probably single or your wife or girlfriend hates you. And Don, you still you didn't see this one yet, did you? Oh, it's another one that backlog is yeah, just yeah, I, 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 I can't it. I can't yeah. have enough reasons for you to see this. <laughs> so I mean it's, it's just one of those things. It's like there's so many freaking movies, and you know, sometimes you have to be in the mood, and this has been like it's been in yeah. the list. Yeah, the the just like I said, being in the audience with all those people, and there was even parts where you know all, everybody loves it. All the kids love this part. All the adults love this part. Then there's parts where only I love that part. Like only I'm the one. Like ha ha. Like at a a little joke, just a dialogue that maybe people didn't pick up on mm-hmm. for why how pretentious are people that like that. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I love. That's why it was my favorite theater-going experience and one of the best movies of the year. And we're about to talk about my favorite theater-going experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably Don's, too. 
considering I think it's the only movie I saw in theater this year. That's I don't like yeah. I don't go to the movies. Too and often. I basically had to force you to go do it. You forced me. You were just like, nah, you should go was, check it out. I was like, yeah, all right. It was, it was literally yeah. like, oh, this came out today. Like, and then John's really, like, really oh, I'm going to go look and see. Yeah. It just happened like, like I, I took like that half day Friday. I was like, I guess to go see the movie for three hours, you know? Yeah, it, it's a long one. And of course, we're talking about the other half of Barbenheimer. We're talking about Oppenheimer. Yeah, we should have probably did this in reverse, considering who would. Well, no, because this is one that we've all seen. That's true. If if we had all seen Barbie, I probably would have ended with Barbie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think I saw Oppenheimer first, right? You did, because yeah. you... I, I was really interested in seeing it, because I love Christopher Nolan, but then you're like, no, you, you should just go see it. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll just go do it. Yeah. You, you had to twist my arm a little bit, but it didn't matter. I think I was out of work early, or I might have been on vacation or whatever, but I had a free day, so I went and saw the matinee of it, and um, this movie is so good from start to finish. It's Christopher Nolan, like, masterpieces. If, if you're going to grab a Christopher Nolan movie and say this is the best of his work, it's got to be this one. The the practical effects. I mean, you can say that the bat like the Dark Knight is the best comic book movie, but I still say that this is the best Christopher Nolan movie. I would say as Martin Scorsese says, this is cinema. Yeah. It's it it's so good. The practical effects are amazing. It's crazy that everything is practical effects. Yes. Because people harp on the the nuke, the atom bomb explosion, which is really spectacular being a practical effect. But some of the other things, I'm like how do they do this? Yeah, he does, there's a lot of camera tricks. There's a lot of, you know, angles and perspectives he does. And it's amazing. This is like the exact movie I love because it's sort of the antithesis of everything else I don't like. <laughs> Where it's like, this is filmmaking. This is Christopher Nolan making a movie, you know, based on, on Oppenheimer, who, you know, who, who helped with the atomic bomb. And it's an incredible movie all throughout. Like, I just yeah. loved every moment of this movie. What, one of the things that I love about it, and then I'll, I'll let you talk, Randy. Sorry, I've kind of dominated it, but I love. No, it's okay because I'm pretty sure you guys have a more vivid memory of yeah. the movie, whereas like I did obviously really enjoy it. It's an incredible thing. What I loved about this movie was that you think it's going to be one thing. It starts as kind of like a race against the clock um, thriller, then it goes into like a courtroom drama. And then it goes into like a political drama. Yeah, with, and it, with some twists and that anyone expects. And it's so seamless the whole time that you you even forget like what the movie was at the beginning and what it ends up becoming. And the twists are so good. Uh, it's done so well. You, lo- I love every moment of it. That the writing's brilliant. The acting is amazing. Uh, it, it was it was Tom Hanks as the politician right? no no no. that was, was uh robert downey jr oh, excuse me that's right robert downey jr yeah and so he's awesome he's great and i love great. that because you know the reason he, he sort of uproots oppenheimer and just destroys his reputation is over over pettiness it yeah. wasn't over anything important that's what was one of the most crazy twists for me in this whole story about oppenheimer was it's that all about him just being absolutely petty. it's insane it's, and and it, yeah killian murphy is amazing as oppenheimer it does matt damon's really great too matt damon's and great blunt. in it yeah emily blunt is amazing florence Pugh is great in it um, he, it, it does kind of, it definitely puts Oppenheimer in the best light possible, uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of like, you know, cause you know, if you really dig into the history of it, who knows where to believe people are people, human beings do human being things. But, uh, I would say that, that if there's any criticism about the actual writing and is that they do kind of frame him as like the best version of Oppenheimer. But I would also think maybe that's the whole point too, right? Is it supposed to make you feel For this sure. moral conundrum of like you're supposed to empathize with a guy who made the atomic bomb yeah. somehow, right? This massive destructive force. Yeah. And you're struggling to empathize with him. And yet you are because of, you know, the writing and how everything's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, cause it's like, well, if he doesn't do it, who will? Yeah. yeah it's gonna going to get done. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Some people criticize this movie for not having, um, the, 
the Japanese point of view on the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And that's valid. Mm -hmm. I would say that, that this movie is not the movie for that and not in like, you know, they don't deserve that. It's not a movie about the bombing of Hiroshima. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say is that it, it It would have been really strange to all of a sudden, let's just launch to these people and they're gone. Yeah. Well, they did, you know, they did mention them quite a bit. Like it wasn't Mm -hmm. a focal point where they didn't show the aftermath, but they were talking about the aftermath and their repercussions of it. So it's one it's like Randy say where, or Mike say where it's like, it's not the focus and it shouldn't be, you know, you can argue that, but it is about Oppenheimer. Yeah. And it's a horribly destructive act that killed tens of thousands of people. And it was, you know, devastating and, and um, everything that goes with that. So the the moral conundrum is there. uh, And, Killian Murphy does a really great job with it. Really mm-hmm. great job. And like the political thriller that it turns into is so cool and really well done. I was I was at the edge of my seat the whole movie. And it's yeah. a long movie too. And it goes Yeah, it's, it's, it's a solid three hours, it, I think, too. And it's really good at, you know, blending the genres that it's in. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I loved it. It was awesome. I'm so happy that movies like this exist now. Exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm so, all about these type of movies. I'm so happy that movies get to go to cinema. Like we get to go to like actual theaters and watch movies like this. I like this. when movies or movies are, you know, they're, they're film. Yeah. Like, it's a different class, you know? I, I think that during the pandemic, there was a lot of fear that theaters were going to be done for. And then Maverick came out and said like, nope, there's, mm-hmm. there's a, there's something about this that you can only get at a theater. There's something about this movie that you just cannot experience on an OLED. It, the, even though it looks amazing, the theater is the way you go for a place like this. Mm-hmm. This communal uh, like thing that we can all do together is. is I I haven't looked into this, but I, I'm curious because it you know like we've had like a string of crazy the last two years specifically been have set, have had some really insanely good movies, and I'm curious to go back to like pre pandemic to see what it felt like because I don't know if. There have been movies of this quality, at least that I can't remember, pre-pandemic, right? Because Top yeah. Gun's like kickstart everything. But since then, I, I can't really remember. I have to, I have to go back and look. I just, it would have been a nice comparison. It didn't feel like it. It definitely felt like Top Gun Maverick was the return to form. Yeah. For, like for, it was post. It brought us back. It, it was post Avengers Endgame and all movie. that. Yeah. Because most of them are comic book films that bring out a lot of the big. I think that's what it was because comic books dominated for so long. Endgame was 2019, I think. Yeah. Right? So th- yeah, maybe Top Gun Maverick was just the first movie blockbuster that wasn't a comic book movie yeah, after like, yeah. A, a 10 or 15 like if it years wasn't a comic book movie it was and it was supposed to be a big movie it was probably going streaming and yeah. i was saying this one was the one and, and maverick was one where you had to see it in theaters and i feel like oppenheimer is the same way it's better it'll it'll never be better than how it was in theaters if mm-hmm. i watch it i haven't watched it since i watched it in theaters but if i watch it now i'm not going to have the same experience because Part of that experience, just like Barbie, was going to the theater and watching it amongst people, uh, watching it on the big screen with the sound and everything, with your popcorn. That experience is something that is, I think that is magical. And I think that it's why we go to the theaters. It may not be the reason why you rent them from Hollywood Video, but it's the reason why you go to the theater. <laughs> That's because you missed it in the theaters. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, cheaper yeah. back then, too, for rental. You know, exactly. five bucks five instead bucks, of yeah. 10 you bucks had five for days ticket. to watch it before yeah. you had to return it. That, too. Yeah. <laughs> that, too. Yep. We get Home of the five-day rental. We get three at a time for free, or you get the movie pass. And you just uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> movie pass. Well, guys, we, we made it. We made it through this list, and we did it. In about an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. That's not terrible. It was easy, breezy, beautiful, Randy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised. I thought we were going to be in for two hour plus. 
we easily could have like there's a we lot obviously there's a lot of movies on here more on certain yeah and there's some movies we could have expanded but some of these like i didn't want to talk about spoilers for angel heart like there's a pretty big spoiler yeah yeah. yeah yeah same with a couple or of strange days ones. like there's a lot of things where it's like yeah. you know it's better I, I, left d- i did want to talk about some of my favorite scenes in white man can't jump but i'm like yeah. you know what we might get to that movie at some point yeah exactly on our list this isn't about that on behalf of us just remember please be kind rewind the hollywood video guys are out